0: Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. We'll go to the book of Acts and we'll be reading in several different places there, beginning with verse, or chapter rather, 6, then go to chapter 8 and then to chapter 21. And uh, as you know, on these Wednesday nights we've been uh, teaching and I don't know if you call it teaching or preaching or preaching a little bit on foundational subjects from the Word of God. And what I have tonight, what I feel that the Lord has placed in my heart for this evening service, is right along those lines. And um, a very important uh, facet of living for God, very important subject when it comes to pleasing the Lord as, a, as an apostolic. And I want to please the Lord. I want His blessing and favor on my life. And some of these scriptures, we're just going to jump into the narrative rather than exhaust the whole story. So I'll explain a little bit about them later. But let's begin with Acts chapter 6 and about verse 3. Wherefore, brethren, look among you for seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we made appointed over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. That was a miracle right there. That everybody was pleased. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip. Everybody say Philip was a part of that seven. And then let's look in chapter 8. Chapter 8 verse 4 and 5 Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them then Philip went down to the city the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them and then in verse 26 Picks up with another directive from the Lord. An angel of the Lord sp- spoke unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, and the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority, under Cadence, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, had come to Jerusalem to worship, and was returning and setting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto him, Philip, go near and join thyself to this chariot. And then in chapter 21, chapter 21, verses 8 and 9, in the next day, We that were of Paul's company departed and came to Caesarea and entered into the house of Philip, the evangelist, who was one of the seven and abode with him. And the same man had four daughters, virgins, who did prophesy. Talking about Philip's daughters. And um, I don't have a, a lofty title here tonight, but I do want to talk about the subject of evangelism. Evangelism. Everybody say evangelism. Amen. And uh, I just want to talk about the evangelist that we have as an example in the New Testament. Philip was an evangelist. And so if you're going to title this anything, I guess you could title it uh, Philip the Evangelist. Philip the Evangelist. But let's just pray that the Lord would help us in the continuation of this service here tonight, the teaching from his word. Would you pray with me, Jesus? We do need your help. We need your strength. We need your anointing. pray that you would anoint God the preacher and those that are here to receive the word of the Lord. I pray, God, that we could be anointed of you. There's a word that you want to go forth here tonight, and I pray, God, that it can minister to this congregation. In Jesus' name, let us be challenged by it. We thank you for it. Amen. Clap your hands to the Lord once again. Thank you so much for standing, and you may be seated. As I've already stated, uh, Philip was what the Scripture called or described as an evangelist. Uh, Philip was not uh, noted in the Scripture as an apostle. He was not known as a pastor or church leader, per se, in any other Way I know that he was one of these that was chosen and some people call them deacons. In chapter 6, this first uh, part that we read about, about these seven men being called out and chosen. And I, I suppose that would have been a leader in the church in a different aspect. But his main ministry, as it is described in the book of Acts, was that of an evangelist. So when studying about evangelism and trying to seek to know how to better evangelize, and I am interested in that, our city, our community, um, this region that God has called us to, and not just I as a pastor, but every one of you that live here in this area, we have a job to do. There's a lot of lost humanity that is around us every day. I don't think that I have to underscore this fact, but there's a lot of hurting people that is around us on a daily basis that we're in contact with. There's a lot of needs that are out there. There are people that I believe that are ready and will be uh, open to the gospel and receptive to what God has for them if we will be sensitive to the Lord. And I want to talk about these things a little bit here tonight but as you carefully study the life of Philip, you find some things that would help us and serve to us as an example of how to be effective in this area of evangelism. Now, I, I will not at all entirely exhaust this subject, won't be able to get into every part of this subject, but, but I just want to talk about it in its in its main aspects, talk about it from a very uh, skeletal view of maybe just giving some, some points to help you and to strengthen you because we all need to work in this area. We've all been commissioned by the Lord. We've all been called by the Lord to evangelize our world. Every one of us Have, uh, if you've received the Holy Ghost, the Bible said in the first chapter of the book of Acts that He gave you that power to become a witness. That's what the Bible says. So if you got the Holy Ghost, you got all the equipping that you need to be an evangelist. And when I talk about evangelist, sometimes we think of that fellow with a truck and trailer that travels around an itinerant type ministry, and that is a facet of it. That is important. We've been blessed many times by that type of evangelist that comes by. But when you got the Holy Ghost, every one of you were called, ordained, and equipped by God to be a flaming evangel in this area that you live in. I believe that God wants us to be successful at it. I believe God wants us to be effective. God wants us to ask for his anointing to be blessed and to be used of him to win souls. And we know that God blesses one that wins souls to him. We know that it's his will that as many as can be reached, would be reached, as many as would uh, open their heart to the gospel, that the gospel be preached to them. Amen? I do not believe, I do not believe in a light doctrine that those that do not know the truth or never had the truth presented to them uh, or whatever measure of truth that has been, whatever portion of it has been uh, given to them, whatever portion of it they've been exposed to is all they're accountable to. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all because if that is so, then I need to close my Bible tonight go home because everybody else would be better off if they didn't have me preach the gospel to them And they didn't know the truth because they'd only be responsible if that doctrine was true for what they did know. But that's not what the book says. Amen. It said all small and greats going to stand before Him. It talks about people that is is going, everybody is going to have a chance. Now everybody may not have uh, the same exact uh, conditions and opportunities and all of that. And we know that the mercy of God is, is uh, quite a thing, an exhaustive study that I could not possibly uh, fathom nor you describe how great the mercies of God is. I don't understand why God gives some people so many chances and so many opportunities while there's one that may only get one chance and one opportunity to come to God. Or they may never have a physical preacher that comes and stands before them. It may be through the influence of some other route that God gives them an opportunity to be obedient to the gospel. But the Bible tells us, and I quoted it the last time I stood in this pulpit. I think it's in Romans one twenty six that we're without excuse concerning the Godhead. In other words, everybody has to acknowledge when they look around creation that there's a God. There's a divine design to this. That this didn't just poof, happen. Praise the Lord. This is not the result of a big bang, but there's a God that designed this and put this all together. Amen. And by simply observing nature, we ought to be able to acknowledge that there is a God in heaven, and we need to seek to know him. And every one of us have innate within us a desire to worship, a desire to praise, a desire to worship something Everybody may not be worshiping God, but everybody has within them placed there by God who created them a desire to worship. And only will that desire really, that appetite really be satisfied when you're worshiping the true living God that we know tonight as Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. You're not going to find that out there worshiping other things. You can't find that in money. You can't find that in politics. You can't find that in drugs and alcohol and promiscuous living. No, you can only find that as you worship the Lord and are obedient to his word. Praise God. So, we're talking about the subject of evangelism. And uh, before we get into the main points of my subject tonight, let's look at something Are some things that that Philip, the evangelist, as an individual, let's look into his character. Let's look at some qualities that he had, uh, first of all, that made him effective. Number one, Philip was obedient to the voice of God. Philip was obedient to the voice of God. He was open to be directed by the Spirit of the Lord. Can I just... Began here at the outset and tell you as a soul winner, as a person that is wanting to minister to other individuals and see them saved. And I believe everybody here fits in that category. You want to see folks saved, you want to reach the lost, you want to help people. Number one is we've got to have an ear that can hear what the Spirit is trying to say to us and be sensitive enough to be directed by the Holy Ghost. Because people, uh, the Bible talks about and compares them to a harvest that is ready at that particular time to be harvested. And it says that they're white and ready for harvest, comparing the harvest to souls. And we know uh, that the weather has a lot to do with that, the conditions have a lot to do with that, those of you that uh, cut and bale hay or have in the past, you know that uh, there may just be a few days in there that you have to, to harvest that hay. If you wait too long, it becomes more like straw or the stalks of it becomes uh, too, too difficult and, and uh, it's not as worth as much as it would have been if you'd have got it at the right particular time. And, and so it has to be either sold for a reduced price or, or just totally bush hogged and, and wait for the next cutting. But there's a specific time, and sometimes it's a small window between the last rain and the rain that's coming that you try to get that harvest of hay up. And that works that way with... Any kind of, of harvest, it doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter if it's hay, it doesn't matter if it's corn, it doesn't matter if it's wheat, there is usually a time frame that you've got to be sensitive to. How are we sensitive to people's souls coming to God? I'll tell you how we are, is by being sensitive to the Spirit of God. We, we can get that gentle nudge of the Holy Ghost by being open to the Holy Ghost moving and influencing us and touching us and stirring our heart, we sense, hey, this person is ready right now for me to present the gospel to them, for me to talk to them about the Lord. Maybe perhaps you can tell them your own testimony of what God has done. You know, the Lord has a way of dealing with people and moving upon people through the circumstances of life. Amen. Matter of fact, many of you that are in this room tonight, Uh, the Lord began to stir you and move on your heart through the circumstances of life, you realized, hey, life is bigger than me and I need God in my life. I need the Lord's intervention. I can't do this on my own. This need, this situation, this problem is bigger than I am and I need the Lord to help me. And it's at that crucial moment that we've got to be sensitive to the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord directed Philip. He went to Samaria. Now, we know that Samaria, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later in this lesson, but uh, Samaria was a city that uh, was not far from Jerusalem. And these were people that were half Jew, half Gentile. And the only reason why that uh, they went to Samaria is because of persecution. And you can read about this right along in these passages where we've been reading they're about 6, 7, and 8. Uh, right at the first portion of chapter 8, it talks about Saul, who later became Paul, who was persecuting the church at Jerusalem. And this persecution became so intense that uh, he, he realized, I've got to... Uh, people started to realize we've got to, for our own safety to find another place to dwell. If we're going to worship, another place to worship. If we're going to live for God, we've got to find another. And so it scattered people out. And this was really the will of God because they had grown too comfortable in Jerusalem. I hope the Lord doesn't have to bring problems and persecution upon us before we get interested in branching out and spreading out and evangelizing our world. Because it was not His will that they just have the church there in Jerusalem. That's where it was to start, but that that was not where it was supposed to end. Can you say praise the Lord? And so uh, Philip is obedient. He goes down to Samaria. Quite a revival breaks loose. And in the midst of this revival... And and there's all kinds of great things that happen. Again, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But in the midst of this mighty revival, the Lord speaks to him. And he is directed to go down to a desert place called Gaza that is outside of of the city and surroundings. And and, uh, matter of fact, uh, we think about it being a desolate place, a desert place, just like the Bible said. That is possibly bad enough. But in those kind of environments was where in that day the, the, uh, uh, the bandits were, the marauders and, and the thieves and, and all of those kind of people were in those areas looking for travelers, passing through. And so it took a lot of faith. It took courage to be obedient to the Lord, to go down there. And notice, it was just for one soul, just one soul, one Ethiopian eunuch. That was down there. And so he had to be obedient to to the voice of the Lord. But he did it. When the Lord spoke to him, he didn't argue. He didn't fuss. He didn't do anything. He went down to where uh, the Lord had told him to go. Then the Bible tells us that Philip not only was obedient, but I want you to note this. This is also a quality that every soul winner ought to have. And that was that he knew his Bible. Amen? Because when that Ethiopian was searching and looking and he couldn't figure it out and he didn't know really what he was reading, Philip asked him, he said, do you understand what you're reading? And I believe it was the Holy Ghost that directed Philip to ask that right question at the right time. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I accept somebody should guide me? He said, well, you got the right man. I know exactly where you're reading. I know what this means. I can interpret it to you. And uh, he began to read a little bit. He said, what's he talking about here? And the Bible said at that same Scripture, he preached unto him Jesus. Praise the Lord. He preached unto him Jesus. He's reading over here in the book of Isaiah about the prophecies of the Lord and the the time of, of the Lord coming and, 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 and the forecasting of Calvary and Him being the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so... He was able to pick right up there. How could he do that? He knew the Scripture. He knew the Word of God. I try to emphasize it in this church, but it's important. If you're going to be a soul winner, you're going to have to know the Bible. You're going to have to know the Word of God. You're going to have to hide the Word of the Lord in your heart. You're going to have to know and be familiar with the Scripture if you're going to be able to take this tool that God has given us and, uh, and be able to use it to win a soul to God. And we're begotten by the word. We're not begotten by personalities. We're not begotten by how much a person has charisma and all those other things Uh, that that may attract somebody initially to you, but that's not going to save them. They're going to have to know what to be obedient to as far as the word of God is concerned. Can you say praise the Lord? And so he not only was obedient, number two, he, he knew his Bible and then he knew the Lord. He knew the Lord. It's important that a soul winner have a personal, and I know this terminology kind of been worn out with the denominal world, but have a personal relationship with God. Uh, that's an important thing. Uh, being perceptive, being a man of prayer, being a person that, that knows the Lord. He preached unto him Jesus. Why was he so comfortable doing that? Because he knew the Lord. He knew of whom he was preaching about. Amen. You can't tell somebody about someone that you don't know and that you don't have a relationship with. It's so imperative that you have a relationship with the Lord and have such a relationship with God that it becomes contagious. Can you say amen? Praise the Lord. So three things right there before we go any further. He was obedient. He knew his Bible. And number three, he knew the Lord. I think that's an, an important uh, trio that every one of us, uh, every one of us possess these qualities before we desire to go any further. It's important that we, we, we have those those three things. We have a willingness to be obedient and sensitive to the Spirit. If we're going to win souls, we're going to have to have that. Now, I could, I could spend time uh, really really accentuating and underscoring and, and really putting in bold letters the fact that all of us need to be soul winners and telling you what a dirty dog you are if you're not winning souls and tell you how irresponsible you are as a Christian if you're not interested in seeing souls Say, I could wear that subject out and have before, but I'm just going to tell you, I believe there's right here in this house people that do desire to win souls. You do desire to see the lost saved, but there's apprehension there is a, a lack of confidence in some areas and we've made it more complicated than it's really supposed to be because when i read about that new testament church every one of them were soul winners amen that was not an uh, extraordinary thing that wasn't some kind of exception to be a soul winner that wasn't some well that he's got like, we talk about soul winners today like they got some kind of special ministry Again, if you got the Holy Ghost, you have the power to be a witness before God. And every one of us can be a witness. And every one of our witnesses may not be the same. And the people that we reach may not exactly be the same. But God has called us to reach certain folks. And God has given us influence in certain areas. And God has given us giftings. And you can speak to people that I'll never have the opportunity to speak to. That's why it's important that we do our job and we uphold the influence uh, of, 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 of being an apostolic to this world and show them what it takes to be right with God. But in, this, in these passages that I read, and I'm just going to go through them, Acts chapter number 6, verses 4 and 5, I'm going to talk about some different aspects and areas of evangelism that we need, and I'm going to talk about four of them, four of them that we need to be involved in, every one of us. We need to be sensitive to this in our daily lives, and these are areas of evangelism that every one of us can be. We can be involved in. There's not one person in this place that, that is, uh, this is an exception with. You know, I've heard people say, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I, I don't do this, that's not my personality, and many times that's an excuse. But I'm just going to tell you, every one of us can be involved in these areas that I'm going to talk about tonight. Acts chapter 6 and verse 4 and 5 that I read to you, uh, the Bible says as the church had grown and as it began to flourish, there was new problems that developed. You know, some people think that if... Uh, that if church flourishes and a church grows, then that eliminates problems. No. You know what that does? That creates probably more challenges and more problems to deal with. Different kinds of challenges, different kinds of problems. But, uh, you know, a, a church flourishes and grows and becomes what God wants it to be. There has to be uh, an abasement of, of pride. There has to be a, a sense of selflessness in the congregation. It can't always all be about you because uh, we've got new babies. We've got new converts. We've got new people that we're working with. So you have to be sensitive to those kind of things. Say, so praise the Lord. It's kind of like a, a family that, that uh, maybe they have three or four children and have another. And, and that infant, when it comes along, those older children kind of have to acquiesce and give uh, more attention and allow the parents to give more attention to that, that baby because it requires more attention. Now, if, if the child is taught right, and, and if the, child, uh, the older child or o- older siblings, if uh, they've been taught right and, and the parents are doing their job, then they won't be as resentful, and uh, they'll be able to understand what's going on here. While well, this baby's small, when you was a baby, we, we had to spend a little more time with you and we had to nurture you. And that's what all of us need to keep in mind is that when, you, when we was new converts or when we was first coming into this thing, or maybe you was raised in the church when you was a young person and going through some of the challenges of all of that. We were patient with you. We helped you. We prayed with you. We, we were there to nurture you. We were there to encourage you. So as you mature in your relationship with God, you have to realize that, that a new convert may get a little bit more attention. They may get a little bit more uh, uh, the pastor's attention or other people's attention in the church. But that's all right, because uh, we want to see them saved. We want to see people grow in the Lord. We want to see people become what God wants them to become. Can you say amen? And so, uh, the Bible tells us that there was widows that were being neglected as far as being fed, and and there was a lot of things that were happening, and and, and there were situations that that were, were slipping through, that were not being taken care of, that Maybe when the church was smaller, was easier to take care of. So they were, there was this big debate. What are we going to do? We can't neglect these widows and others that are in need. How are we going to take care of this? Do we have these apostles go and wait tables or, and shut down preaching and, and evangelizing and, and going out and teaching and all the things that they do? Is that, is that what we need to do? And finally, uh, they, they realize that that's not the answer, but what we need is to choose some some able people able men that are among us seven men and he gave the qualifications that have a good report they got a good reputation and they're full of the holy ghost and they said when they introduced this idea and concept which i believe was inspired by god to these people that it pleased the whole multitude And so you had to to realize that if it pleased the whole multitude, it, it had to be anointed. It had to be of God. So everybody was okay with it. And among those men, of course, was Stephen. And then it is listed here that Philip was one of those men. Philip the evangelist was one of those that would serve tables. Can I tell you that this is an aspect of evangelism that is often overlooked? and that is ministering to others. Can I tell you, that in of itself is a witness. That is, that is a witness. You know, it's easy to say what God is able to do, but it's harder many times for us to be used of God and let God use us to be a part of ministering to the problem or the need that is there in the lives of people. For instance, it's, easier when somebody comes and says I got a flat tire to say brother I'll pray for you than it is to go get a jack and a tire tool and help them change it especially if it's August or July which we've had pretty mild summer for us and I'm thankful for it and I'm not complaining a bit can you say amen to that but uh, it's easier to say hey brothers I'll pray for you I'll pray somebody comes along and helps you with that it's easier when somebody is in real need. I'm not talking about somebody who just thinks they got a need, but somebody's in real need uh, to 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 brush them off and say, you know, spiritualize it, than it is to put some elbow grease into that and work and serve and minister. Praise God and be involved where the rubber meets the road. We we talk about you know God doing this and God doing that. You know What I believe, I believe God's not going to do anything that we can do. He'll do what we cannot do, but he anoints people to do the work. He anoints us to do what we can do, and then he takes and makes up the margin for what we cannot do. Amen? So when we do what we can, and we work, and that's what we do a lot of times around here. We have... Uh, We have gatherings. We have fellowship. You know, there's a lot of work. It's not just about us. There's a lot of work that goes into that. There's a lot of planning that goes into that. And that's why every one of us need to be involved in it because there's a lot of labor and effort and sacrifice and monies that go into that. And we're living in a day when people would rather give their money than their time. Don't stop giving your money, but just add some time to it. Can you say praise the Lord? I'm not at all telling you that uh, we, we don't need finances and to get the work of God done. That's part of it. But can I tell you that we also need people that are willing to give uh, probably their most precious commodity. One thing you can, you know, you can, go, you can go earn some more money. But you can't get time back. Time is an ever, you know, we're losing it. We're losing it right now. Praise God. And we'll never gain this moment back. After it's passed, it's gone. So it's your most precious commodity. I understand that. But if we're going to invest in anything, it ought to be the kingdom of God. Can you say praise the Lord? And we're serving others. We're serving others. You know, you can find ways to do this. I'm just going to give you an example. Across the street from us, there's a lady uh, that is dying with cancer she's got terminal cancer and and uh, i don't know how long it's going to be before she's going to pass but if god doesn't intervene that looks like her fate and it doesn't look uh, or appear to be very long because the doctors don't know what else to do and uh we at times have have tried to do little things and the other day uh i had my wife had made some brownies she said why don't you take them over and give them to the neighbor's and so we, we was going to take that over there. Well, Chanel came by and uh, brushed my arm as I was holding that, and I was, I was just about lost them. And uh, I said, Chanel, I said, if you knock these brownies over, I said, me and you's going to have troubles. She said, oh, Daddy, me and you never have troubles. Well, what about that? But uh, anyway, it's nice to know that she really fears my authority. Anyhow, we took them over. They were appreciative of it. But you know what? We can talk about Christianity. We can talk about the goodness of God. We can talk about how uh, how we got the truth and all those things. But that's truth in shoe leather. That's proven to somebody, and that's not patting me on the back. I'm just giving you an example that was on my mind. But uh, there's many ways that we can minister to people that are around us. Some of you many times bring to me with sincerity, request of people that you work with, people that are neighbors or friends or whatever, to pray for them. That too is a ministry, praying for those individuals that God would help me to be wise, to say the right things, to give the right testimony at the right time, to tell them about the Lord. That is so important that we be involved in that area. And I've got to move on, but but, but before he ever went anywhere, before he ever did anything as far as he was greatest in, in, in the areas of, of evangelism, before he ever seen the thousands saved, he was willing, he was willing, before he even seen the city of Samaria impacted, he was willing to serve somebody. And we've got to be willing to be used in evangelism in that way, in serving people so that they can see the Lord's love through us. They can see the Lord's compassion through us. We've got to be moved with that kind of compassion to help somebody. Can you say praise the Lord? And then number two, of course, the Scripture says that he went down, in chapter 8, verses 4 and 5, that he went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. Demons were cast out. Healing came. Miracles Great joy. You read about this. All these things are listed there. It's a powerful thing. But you know where these miracles started? You know where these demons being cast out started? You know where great joy, where, where, where that was able to be be experienced? It was when somebody began to evangelize and begin to do the work of God. I'm going to tell you, we can't sit in here and cross our arms and do nothing and just come to church and suck up air and expect God to give us miracles, expect God to give us joy, Matter of fact, some of the saddest people I know are those that are selfish, those that are only concerned about their own needs, are only concerned about their four no more. They don't want to evangelize. They don't want to reach the world. They're concerned about only what they've got and what they, what they don't have. And they're focused on all of that kind of stuff. But if we'll get focused on the city like Philip was, Philip was focused on the city of Samaria, and as a result, great miracles began to happen, healings began to happen, deliverances were wrought, so much so that the sorcerer of the city, Simon, looked around and said, man, I haven't ever seen any power like this. I haven't seen such glory as this. I haven't seen such anointing as this. What I got to do to get this great joy, not just a little bit, filled the city, the Scripture says. Hey, that's what we need in Texarkana is some joy around here. How's it going to happen? It's going to happen when there's an evangelist, when there's an event. I'm not talking about somebody coming in with a trailer and truck and we need that, but I'm talking about you and I being evangelists like we need to be that are reaching our city and touching the lives of people. That's when joy can come. That's when miracles can happen. That's when revival will take place. That's when the glory of God will be poured out. Can somebody say praise the Lord? Hallelujah. He he went to reach a city. We we need people right here that are willing to evangelize this city. You know, it's it's often easy to get people inspired about Africa. And And I have a desire, as you know, to see certain countries over there affected with the gospel. God's laid that on my heart. It's easy to get somebody inspired to go go across the seas for two or three weeks or, or give money to that over there. But what about our city? What about our community? There's a lot of thousands of people all around us that are going to hell that don't know God. And I'm not against the foreign endeavors, but I'm telling you, we cannot surpass what God has given us and made us responsible for right here. We need to reach our city. Can you say praise the Lord? So, we understand that Philip served. Served tables. This is a part, serving others. That's the first aspect of it. Second is, he was willing to work right there in his city. And then when the Spirit Pulled him away from that mighty revival, and most of us would have fussed and argued about that. Man, a whole city is being affected by this revival, and you're wanting this is where it started. It started with me, God, and you're wanting me to walk away and go down there to desert. I don't know anybody in a desert, there can't be many people there. And God sent him to the desert that was called Gaza, and there was a man that was from a different culture and a different background. A different nationality, an Ethiopian that was the secretary of treasure for Cadence, the queen of the Ethiopians, and said, the spirit said to him, go join thyself to that chariot. I'm going to tell you something. This might get a little dicey, but that's okay. You'll never win anybody unless you're willing to join yourself. What am I saying? I'm saying as long as you think you're up here and above them, you'll never be able to affect them. You'll never be able to touch them. You'll, unless you can come down and be on their level and you, you're not up here some highbrow brow thinking, well, I got the truth and you're, you're in false doctrine and you don't know nothing and you just don't know your Bible and you come with an attitude of superiority, you'll never be able to win them. He that winneth souls is wise. Now, I know we, we, we try to use that scripture to mean that if you win souls, and, then God will make you wise, and I, that may be a part of it, but I believe he that winneth souls is wise already. If you're a soul winner, you're, you're not a dummy. I know that's, that's uh, Calhoun chapter 2 right there, verse 1. If you're winning souls, you're not a dummy. First of all, you're going to have to know the Lord. You're going to have to know your Bible. You're going to have to be sensitive to the Spirit, just like we've already talked about. So you're going to have to be wise. He said, join you. You said, man, this guy, he don't come from where I come from. He don't talk like I talk. He don't have the same background I do. He's a different ethnicity than I am. Whatever. Hey. He's a soul. She's a soul. What does it matter? Rich, poor? Which station of life they come from? Which side of town they live on? If they're a soul, then we have a responsibility to reach them. And the Holy Ghost is the one that directed Philip down there. So if the Lord's wanting to reach him, who am I to say no, I don't have time for them. Praise the Lord. So we've got to do our part to join ourselves and say, so you know what? I, I'm 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 not going to ride on my high horse and think I'm better than you. Uh, I'm going to pray with you in the altar. I'm going to teach you a Bible. I'm going to explain some things to you from the Scripture. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to to tell you that you don't know anything. But let me just be like a Priscilla and Aquila, and let me show you the way more perfectly, as the Scripture says that they did. Let me let me give you some understanding about something. Let me open up your your mind to something. Let me show you some things here. This may not been the way you was taught. You may have came from a different background as far as religion was concerned. But let me just show you there's some truths in God's word that I want you to, I want to share with you because I want you to be saved. And when you want somebody to be saved and you have a vehement desire to see them saved, then then you'll do whatever necessary to try to work with them to see that person reached. Philip, I know that you're not familiar with Ethiopians. I know that you're not familiar with people from that background. I know they don't speak perhaps the same mother tongue that you do. But whatever, you go join yourself because... I am going to reach this man that is already searching and already hungry. Can you say praise the Lord? I'm going to tell you there's people in this area that are searching, that are hungry, that are thirsty for God. And they're waiting for us. To join ourselves to them and say, "You know what? I'm not better than you. I once was lost, but now I'm found, and I want to see you say, I want to see you get this same Holy Ghost I got. I want to see you get the same blessing from the Lord that I received. I want to see you come and feel the same God that I have experienced. Can you say, praise the Lord. So let's do a little review. Num- number one, number one, he was willing to serve. He was willing to be a minister. Number two, number two, can somebody tell me what number two is? He was willing to minister to the city. He was willing to go into the city, and we've got that. We're going to have that this Saturday, church-wide outreach, 10 a.m., everybody that could come. We're going to do what we can. It's not just all knocking doors. It's going back and visiting visitors. That have guests that have been here. It's 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 a myriad of things. And then number three, he was willing to minister to someone that was different from himself. And number four, and this is one I don't want us to forget. Matter of fact, it's it's spoken right when the church was born. It's a concept that is laid right there in the foundation that sometimes is overlooked. Because the Bible said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 39, this promise is, for this promise is unto you and to your children, and to your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord I got you call. Sometimes we have that many as the Lord I got you call and those that are far off down, but again, we forget our own home. Praise the Lord. Because I read to you in Acts 21 where Philip's daughters prophesied so evidently he had done a pretty good job of evangelizing his own home now this is not to condemn anybody but i'm saying and and we don't have the the power to to make anybody live for god when they come to a certain age we understand all of that in fact you know we look at that scripture it says raise up a child in the way that you go and they'll never depart from it you know, that's not a promise. That's a principle in the book of Proverbs. That is a book of not promises. That's a book of principles, of wisdom. You raise a child this way, and if everything turns out, this is, this is the result that you hope for. Amen? It does not state that as a promise. It states it as a principle. Praise the Lord. So we're living by this principle putting our faith in God and living for the Lord, but knowing that everybody is a free moral agent of choice. I'm just saying that to qualify what I'm getting ready to say, and that is the fact. Let's don't try to win the world and forget about our own family. And I'm not just talking about our children. I'm talking about our own extended families and mothers and fathers and cousins and aunts and uncles and everybody that is around us. Uh, I think church statistics say that the majority of the people that come don't, don't come from billboards and other media advertisements and, and all that other kind of stuff. There's a real low percentage that come through that medium. But most people come to church because they're a friend or a family member to somebody that already attends that church. Most of us know and have seen revivals break out in families. Amen? Amen? You can go back in your family probably and study it a little bit and you can see how. I remember and I've told that to this church that my grandfather came back to God. His father was a preacher. He backslid when he was very young and matter of fact my family my mother and and my uncles they were not even raised in the church. My dad was not raised uh, in, in the truth at all And uh, and and through the influence of him coming back he got his sisters back in church he got all their family back in church got my parents and and aunts and uncles and all that I think it was like over 40 in that one family revival that came to God isn't that a wonderful thing i want to see that happen again and again and again i think that's the way it ought to be praise the lord so we we want to see family wide revivals his daughters prophesied. He, he'd been talking and teaching and telling his daughters about the Lord. And so he was able to influence them. We need to tell our family members about the Lord. If you got family members that once knew the Lord, need to remind them every once in a while, Hey, I'm praying for you. I love you. I don't want to see you lost. I'm not saying condemn them. I'm not telling you to make them feel uh, like you're preaching to them at every family reunion. But uh, what's wrong with... Uh, What's wrong with them being uncomfortable at least a little bit? Because they know what's right. They know what's right, and they need you. They need you to be a witness. Don't join in with them and go along with everything they do. Come on now. Why is it that we sometimes feel so intimidated that we're going to go in with everything that our worldly family members do? Cave in to them. Well, you can't be a witness and cave into them. They come into town, you decide you're not going to come to church. Oh. Hit a speed bump there, brother. What kind of witness is that? You know what? We go to church. That's what we do. We go to church. You guys want to come? If not, just just stay here and read the Bible. We're going to church because we don't have no we don't have the no TV for you to watch, so you're just going to have to stay here and read the Bible. I hope you don't have a TV for them to watch. If you do, you need to come down to the altar tonight. Repent. Praise God. Because we don't believe in TV around here. Well, the amens are kind of thinned out, but it's still the truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. You can't be sensitive to God and be feeding on that all the time. Anyway, I'm going moving on. I'm just telling you that we need to evangelize our families. Lost people that are around us every day. We need them to be reached, saved. Again, as you stand, I'm going to go through them one more time so we'll remember them. But it starts in being willing to minister to others. Being willing to put ourselves out and to serve others. And people saying, that's a witness. That's a witness. Helping other people. There's some of you in this congregation that have told me how you've felt compassion and you wouldn't help somebody that was in need how important that is number two the city we can't lose our burden for the city of texarkana this city serves more than just the constituents that live in it amen there's people that uh, do do these studies of uh, like if we put a if we put a shopping center here how how Well, I've heard some of those statistics for this area. It's far larger than just what the population sign says out on the interstate. This serves a region. But if we can impact this city, we can impact them that live way out there. We can impact them up in 40, 50 miles from here up north in Arkansas, down around in rural parts of Texas and Louisiana and Oklahoma. We can do it if we're reaching this city. We get business owners here in this city that are full of the Holy Ghost. When people come do their business, they're being impacted by people that are full of the Holy Ghost. That's the will of God, isn't it? And then, and then, after the city, we've got to be willing to be open to people of diversity. Come on, don't look cross-eyed at people because they don't look just like you Look. They may come in here and look like they fell face first in a tackle box. And they look like they're wild Indians the way they're painted up. I'm going to tell you what. I don't know where some of these people come up with this stuff. And it's getting worse. And the look, the dress. But if we make them feel uncomfortable right off the bat, my Lord, how are they going to receive the gospel? Now, I don't want them to feel comfortable after they've been here for a while. I want them to start feeling the nudge of the Holy Ghost to get some things straightened up. Praise the Lord. That's the way it ought to be. If somebody talks a little bit different, they got a little different accent than you do, or they come from a different part of the country, come on, we're living in a melting pot nowadays. We're not, you know, I'm sorry, but that's just the way life is in America. And you need to be open to it and receive people as souls that need God. They need salvation. They need the Holy Ghost. They need an open altar that they can come to and repent of their sins. Can you say praise the lord? Amen. And you know, people come and they got different deals. They got all kinds of different deals. They come and eh, I wish, you know, I wish there's all straightened up, cleaned up. And husbands of one wife and and wife one husband and all that kind of good stuff, but that's not the way it is. Anymore. But thank God for the blood of Jesus. Thank God for his mercy. Amen. And we can't, we're not going to let a fish spoil, but we're not going to try to clean them before God gets a hold of them. Let the Holy Ghost start working on them. And then when the Holy Ghost is working on them, let the preacher, let the preacher be anointed and turn the preacher loose. And when the preacher gets turned loose, don't you get, because you've been living carnal, don't you get all squamish and, and, uh, you know, soft and not help the preacher because they need to look around and say you know what he's not the only one who believes that here he's not the only one who believes that he really does believe the truth and this church is following following the truth and that's the word of god and he's preaching word and they believe it too they need godly influences and examples around it that's evangelism Evangelism not just out there, but once you get in here, you show yourself to be a worshiper. You show yourself to be an altar worker. You show yourself to be a person that loves God. Praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Thank you.